When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. and welcome to Sonic Society, the world's largest showcase of modern audio theatre. Tonight is episode 547. I'm Jack Ward. And I'm David Alt. Welcome and especially welcome back, Jack. You've had uh, quite the month. Certainly have. I'm still actually kind of recovering. <laughs> the last two weekends I've had 10 hours sleep. I hope things have calmed down because I just I just can't keep writing off my weekends. Regardless, mm. there's uh, piles, that's 10 hours every night. I should point that out, by the way. So, <laughs> re- Wow, it, it sounds like a dream. <laughs> it is. I'm not used to it. I'm usually a six hour night. <laughs> person so I, I, I'm, I'm missing four hours of work every day so <laughs> regardless there's a pile of things going on first I'd like to give a mad con update I guess I jumped the gun last time a little in my enthusiasm these things always take a little longer than you expect oh yes uh, the big challenge was that we're actually dealing with three different event coordinators in the Dalhousie campus I know this is a little inside baseball but most of our events will be in the student union building where CKDU is the radio station Mm-hmm. and some other really great spaces. So the SU has their own events coordinator. And then on top of that, we have to set aside spots for folks to stay. And that's the Dalhousie events people. And then <laughs> finally, we have a third party to make sure the Dunn Theater is ready. And they had already booked the weekend we originally wanted. So we had to move the entire thing. Oh, gosh. However... However, I can say with absolute certainty that as of yesterday, my good friend Christopher Moreno has put up his own good money for a down payment and signed all the necessary papers with their accounting folks, and we're moving ahead finally with a date verified. Now put this on your calendars. Okay, drum roll. (laughs) (laughs) July 16th to the 19th of 2020. Okay, 16th to the 19th of July 2020. It is in my calendar already. Good. Go check the Sonic Society for the website. I will have it up tonight. I hope to have some content up by the end of the week, but I bought the URL mad-con.com. So there's a dash there. It's important you put the dash in or you'll be going to someone's place of business. <laughs> so I'll get that permanent link up in the Sonic Society tonight. And uh, But don't worry about it. There's nothing going on there quite yet. I just want to make sure I have everything set so people can effectively make their reservations early and everything. When we get going, I hope we'll be updating weekly with news and events and panels and discussions and meetups and workshops and performances and everything. And announcements about who's coming and, and who's confirmed Absolutely. and all of that sort of thing. Yes, it sounds like a fantastic thing. And so just give us one another quick lowdown as to what we can expect on those days. 
Oh, well, we're, we're expecting... First of all, Saturday night is when we're hoping to get the Dunn Theatre booked, where we want the Dunn Theatre booked, or have it booked. And that's where we're going to have, hopefully, a Saturday afternoon and a Saturday night performance. John Bell has promised to do a children's show. Oh. And so maybe we'll be able to get together and do some other folks with that children's show. Who knows? Maybe he'll have some special guests, <laughs> like yours truly, in to be able to do some stuff. That'd be kind of fun. And the other great... Uh, I'm hoping that we'll be able to get some... Some other of the great live performers to come in, maybe do some shows as well. So we want to p- plug that. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to be doing like the very basic meetup will start up Thursday night where we're going to have people coming in. There'll be some pub times that people can hang out. And then we're expected to have like uh, a Friday morning. We'll start right away at 9 a.m. Probably have a, a, a luncheon or a dinner on Friday. And uh, we'll get right into having like th- four or five various different things going on at the same time. Some of them will be like uh, studio recording sessions. So there'll be booked studio recording sessions for some uh, groups that want to be able to record some shows. Mm -hmm. There'll be some studio recording sessions for Wallace, where we decide as a group, we want to record Wallace doing this. Let's have uh, 18 women screaming. You know, <laughs> let's have uh, Norse seamen uh, going over the edge of the world. Or, you know, we can have a bunch of different Wallas for people. And all of those will be free. And I'll put them up on the internet for anybody who went to Nad's room to be able to use. So you'll have a ton of different uh, resources afterwards, of course. Uh, we'll God, also just, sorry, ha- sorry, Jack. I just you, you said anyone who went to Nad's room... Sorry, Nazrim. I'm already moving ahead to Nazrim. This is my sleep. Sorry, anyone who's been to MadCon, thank you for clarifying that. And we'll have workshops on on how to use particular equipment. I'm do some great acting tips. We'll have some panel discussions between some of your favorite audio drama people that will be there. They'll be able to answer questions from their favorite shows. We'll be able to have some fun games back and forth, maybe some improv uh, audio drama, of course, oh. because we have, we'll have we have some great people there. we got to get the Rude Alchemy people in. That would be hilarious. Oh, yeah, that would be brilliant. So, there's, yes. it's, I just, there's, there's so much possibility, and there's so much potential, and we have, like, 12, 14 people on our steering committee that are going to be starting to look at exactly what fun we can do. If you have any ideas, what would you like to see? Mad-Con.com. Please, uh, the Modern Audio Drama Convention of 2020 is going to be a the first of its kind and if you're going to be there what is it that you want to see why don't you email us at sonicsociety at gmail.com absolutely now you mentioned nadsrim jack so well it uh, is on my how mind are you doing with that yes <laughs> we're right into the second week and i'm playing catch up as i usually do <laughs> <laughs> well if you're having that much sleep jack i thought surely you're well rested and able to think about these anyway uh so i hear from uh, the grapevine that the show you're writing is called a proximity that's right yes and i i don't want to give away too much of the nature of the story but i wanted to try for myself writing a solo performance short dramatic series sort Ooh. of in the same kind of vein as organism or something like that look for mm-hmm. it hopefully to be produced for the fall i'm going to try to do the production for it myself and try to improve my own game in producing for the summer yes and speaking of the summer we want to remind people of sonic summer stock as well march is a great time to throw your hat in the ring and pick one of the old time radio scripts to produce with your new time audio crew oh, and we've had some excellent recreations of x 
minus one episodes of westerns, uh, yes. horrors, comedies. Yeah, just... a real mix, as is every year. And we look forward to both our regular contributors and new producers to try to bring back the great stories of the golden age of radio to the Sonic Summerstock stage. Well, and speaking of stage, you're going to be out for out and about for the next month, I should say. Am I? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. Yes. Uh, are we it's, flying? A, it's a terrifying thing if you don't know at this point. <laughs> In so many ways. Uh, yes, so the No Sleep Podcast live tour, Sleepless Live Tour of 2018 wow. uh, is kicking off. Next week, in fact, it's going to be our first performance will be in Portland mm. next Tuesday. So uh, by the time I get to the Sonic Society, I'll, I'll have done another performance or I'll done a first performance. <laughs> and uh, yes, and it all goes from there on out. It's going to be a crazy, crazy tour and including a, a, a full seven, six or seven performances right at the very end from from New York right the way to Atlanta just every night. Bam, 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 bam. Oh, it's going to be crazy. Absolutely crazy. Speaking but of it's exhausted. Going to be so much fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so much fun. And we've got uh, David Cummings, obviously, who is the host and producer and all round amazing person putting it all together with the help of Paragon Collective, along with the people that you will remember from the October show, Jack. Mm-hmm. So we've got Jessica McAvoy and Nicole Goodnight, uh, Brandon Boone on the music, and new for this year is Erica Sanderson, who I will Yay! be I will be meeting up with in Amsterdam as we then fly over to Portland. So your yes. audio wife, as people like My to call audio her, audio wife indeed. <laughs> yes. So it's going to be absolutely brilliant. There are still tickets available for some of the events. Some of them are sold out. Uh, mm. So do check out the website at thenosleeppodcast.com slash tour to find out those dates and see how you can get in on the action. I want to say there was a great time when I went to see you guys in Toronto and I was amazed at how many people were there and how long you guys spent afterwards just sort of signing people's bulletins or, or their, their programs and, and everything yeah. and CDs and t-shirts and <laughs> there was just a ton of people there just so thrilled to meet you guys in person. It was just like going to a Beatles concert. It was amazing. It was, it was a lot of fun but as we we say every time the it's the fans that really make the show because if we didn't have the listeners then yeah we'd be producing our own nice uh, horror fiction podcasting but it's the fans that really give the energy give, they give the feedback they really they make the show yeah really. so you're not going to say that you're bigger than jesus and ruin the whole thing right this uh, i i'm not at the moment i i think <laughs> i have played jesus in the past i've certainly played god <laughs> and the devil so uh <laughs> That's right. And an angel. So and an angel, go. indeed, yes. Right. Sandrin, uh, we should probably get going with the show. Just to give you an idea of how much excitement we have here in the Sonic Society, in 2018, there is just so much going on indeed. Uh, that's out there in audio drama, from live radio drama shows to upcoming conventions to writing, writing month-long challenges it's amazing how fantastic after 13 years, 14 years of doing this, that audio <laughs> drama is still so new. And so so it's always constantly revitalized. It, it is a, it's a, an ever-giving wellspring. <laughs> so continuing on that vein, for now we best get on with the show with part two of Wesley Critchford's The Lock Whisperer right here on the Sonic Society.
Where are we off to, Professor? To the fields just outside of town. I want to inspect that flock of sheep. But a flock of sheep? It's just a bunch of sheep. What would that have to do with a lock whisperer? The lock whisperer? Perhaps nothing. The thing that killed those six men? Perhaps quite a lot. I don't understand. Where is the best place to hide a needle? What? Answer the question. I don't know. A haystack? A needle in a haystack would be difficult. But a specific needle in a haystack-sized pile of needles, that would be nearly an impossible job. Yes? Yes. There are many strange and wonderful things on this planet, Dorothy. Here alone, there are flowers that look like birds to scare off animals that might trample them down. There are insects that camouflage themselves to look like plant life so that they won't be eaten by birds. There are fish in the ocean that cover themselves with sand and lie in wait for some unsuspecting smaller fish to come along so that the big fish may enjoy a nice dinner. So you think that this thing that's attacking people looks like a sheep? Perhaps. From a distance. If you don't get too close. It may be able to look like multiple creatures. Sheep just happen to be the most convenient. It may be that when it arrived, the first person it came upon was a shepherd or two, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Arrived? You don't mean to say that you think this thing and the lock whisperer come from up there? Nothing is more probable. I have spent a great deal of time in the Northern Hemisphere, and I've never read nor heard of any creature on this planet that can generate enough electric shock to turn a man into dust. Stop his heart? Surely. But to completely electrolyze every inch of a man and separate him into his base elements? It seems to me that something like that could only be extraterrestrial. It is certainly not native, let alone common, to this sceptered isle. Still, there are more things in Earth than are dreamt of, let alone in Heaven. Little boy blue, come blow your horn. The sheep's in the meadow, the cows are in the corn. And where's the boy who watches the sheep? He's out picking flowers with little Bo Peep. Don't you mean he's under the hay bale fast asleep? But in that sleep of death, what dreams may come? Do you really think there's a dead sheep farm around somewhere? Of the two options, I much prefer to think that he's neglected his duties and run off with the little girl who has lost her sheep and doesn't know where to find them. But the odds of it are not high. My guess would be that the shepherd of this flock was one of the creature's first victims, and that somewhere between here and the farm McTavish mentioned, there is a pile of non-conductive dust. Wouldn't you think the creature would be far from here resting, being that it's daylight? What do I think, and what do I hope? I hope he's not here, hibernating in Diana Bliss. But if I didn't think he was nearby, I wouldn't have bothered to come out and examine the flock, now would I? All right, Professor. What exactly are we looking for? If I knew that, I would have told you as much. The best we can do is examine each of these sheep individually and look for something that tells us what we are up against. 
Brilliant. Hey, Soap! Do any of you happen to be alien monsters or shape-shifting cryptids from the dawn of time? If you are, would you mind pointing out the one that is? Thanks very much. Why didn't I think of that? Worth a shot. You never know. Unless it is a pseudo-intelligent creature that recognises words like alien and monster, then it is decidedly not worth a shot. Yeah, you don't think it could be? I highly doubt it. Whatever this creature is, its needs and actions seem more animalistic than sentient to me. A predator stalking its prey in the jungle. Not a hunter out for sport or recreation. The Lock Whisperer, on the other hand... Why wouldn't he eat sheep? I beg pardon? Why wouldn't this creature turn the sheep into dust? I mean, they've got to have just as much moisture and electro thingamabobs in a human would, right? It's possible he did at first, but then he found something tastier. It happens in the wild quite a bit. Lions get a taste for man flesh, and then they don't want anything else. Did I ever tell you about the time I helped with the man-eaters of Sabo? Everyone thought it was a couple of lions eating the workers, but the truth turned out to be even more horrifying. In reality... I'd rather not hear that right now, if it's all the same to you, Prof. Not when we've got our own man-eater to deal with. Quite so, quite so. A man-eater and a lock-whisperer. The people of the mounds. How's that, Gov? Mary McTavish said that the creatures around her farm had been there at least since they came. As far as I could tell, they've been farming that land for years. And our man-eater has only been around for about four weeks. The people of the mound, she called them. That's usually the Scottish way of talking about pixies and elves, but yet it's also been used to discuss spirits of the dead or creatures from another realm. A parallel dimension. And if the Lock Whisperer is one, or even a number of these fair folk, then they were here for quite some time before the beast we are hunting. I've been assuming until now that the two were connected. An alien race that was transporting some sort of beast from one planet to another. Or perhaps they were even using it to power a transport. A spaceship, if you will. Like a sort of living generator. But what if that's not the case at all? What if the only connection is that this thing landed where they happened to be? And now one of these creatures from a parallel dimension is doing its best to warn us. If they were from a parallel dimension, and they've crossed over to Oz somehow, then the dimensions are no longer parallel. Parallel lines never connect. An astute observation. We shall have to come up with a better term. Not everything needs to be as complicated as we make it. Maybe this has been going on for centuries. You I... don't mean to say that you really believe in fairies and leprechauns and little people flitting around with wings. They fall down dead when you say you don't believe in them. Not to that level, perhaps. It may be that these creatures aren't interdimensional at all. It may be they have some sort of natural camouflage, something that makes them hard to see at night. The only way to know any of this, for sure, is to capture one, or at least sit down and converse with it. But there may be the truth behind the legend. Well, Prof, I've looked at 98 sheep so far. Surprisingly, it is starting to make me sleepy. Isn't there some better way of... Prof? Yes, Dorothy? How common is it for a sheep to be born with six legs? Not common at all, so far as I know. Among sheep, you're far more likely to find one that is two-headed than one with an extra appendage or two. And they rarely live to adulthood. 
Sheep are particularly apt to have such birth defects, however. Something to do with breeding, I'd imagine. Uh-huh. And, um, how many are likely to have somewhat human face with tentacles rather than a snout? I don't imagine such a disfigured creature would be able to survive very long as a sheep. It would probably... Oh, dear. Yeah, thought you might catch on. Uh, it's right over there, and I think, uh, I think he knows we've noticed him. Dorothy? Yes, Professor? I think it would be most advantageous for us to run! Professor! Run, Dorothy! Run! The ash tree, Dorothy! Climb up the tree! Right. Here, Professor! Take hold of my umbrella! Higher, Dorothy! Higher! Mother Nature has come to our aid. Why did the rain send it packing, Professor? I can only assume that the moisture interferes with the creature somehow, causing a short in its circuits, as it were. Uh, anything creating enough amperage to disintegrate a human body would almost have to be disrupted by something as sporadic as rainwater. Complete immersion, on the other hand. Oh, well... With all this lightning, perhaps a tree is not the safest of places. Right, help me down if you would be so kind. Landed on my feet. Right. I must say, Dorothy, you are much stronger than you appear. You hoisted me into the tree quite expeditiously. Didn't you know? Before I joined up with you, I was in the sideshow as... The Amazon Dorothea, able to lift dumpy older men into all trees with a single arm. Amusing. However, before we scamper off to the safety of the wagon's interior, observe the burn marks in this tree the creature left behind. Still smoking. I'd say it was beautiful, if not for the fact that the creature that created it was trying to kill us when he did it. Indeed. Now to the cart. I'm positively soaked. And pneumonia is not an admirable condition. So you're back again, Professor. I was beginning to think the Lock Whisperer had frightened you off. Not hardly, Mr. Mayor. Not hardly. However, I shall need access to your town's library, or nearest equivalent. We don't have a library as such. Most of the townsfolk can't read, as you well know by now. Oh. Yes. I hope my own private library will suffice. 
I don't have much in the way of science. Mostly articles of faith, but, but maybe my old college books will be of some assistance. I haven't gotten to boxing up my books yet. Hmm. Needs must. Oh, and pass it around the town that everyone should stay away from that flock of sheep on the meadow over yonder. Sheep? What harm ever came from sheep? None, so far as I'm aware. A giant electric spider shepherd, on the other hand. He's hardly a spider, Professor. Spiders have eight legs. This only had six. More like a giant ladybug with a man face and tentacles where its mouth should be, I'd say. No, no, I would definitely say it was more spider-like. Almost like a daddy long legs with those high joints. Six legs, Professor. Six. Arachnids have eight. It's not like a spider. Well, don't just stand there, man. Spread the word. Oh, and send the local merchant around to see me directly. I shall need all the pickle brine he can supply. Pickle brine? Euclid, Aristotle, Socrates, the tracting middle. Any luck, Professor? No, no. Mostly articles of faith, as the mayor said. Nothing here that will help me with my calculations. I had hoped for a book on fluid dynamics. Oh, well. I am certain my math is pure. It just would have been nice to have a chart or two handy. Oh, the local mercantile stopped by. Said he had ten barrels of pickle brine used, fifteen gallons each, with another six barrels still loaded with pickles. That's uh, 210 gallons. Uh, a bit less, actually. Let's uh, round that off to 200. Not nearly as much as I would have hoped, but we'll have to serve until we can make more and create a bigger containment unit. Containment? Aren't we going to try to kill it? K- kill it? It may be the only one of its kind on this planet. It may be the last of its species. Who knows? And the first thing you want to do is kill it? It has killed at least six men, Professor. Likely a shepherd or two as well. Merely out of a desire to keep itself alive, my dear. It's in fact of nature. Especially now that we've seen the creature, I can say for a certainty it's not mad or evil, nor is it even plotting. It's merely an animal doing its... Animal thing. True as that may be, Professor. It's killed six of my own townsfolk and more besides. And I want to have this thing sorted out before I have to leave for Suffolk. I can assure you, Mr. Mayor, that all will be put to rights before the night is out. As long as everything goes according to plan. Now, I trust you have a carpenter and a blacksmith in town? Naturally. Wouldn't get very far without at least one of each. Now, would we? Truth be told, we need at least two more of both. Well, take these designs to each of them respectively, and tell them I need them both done by tonight. Tell them both, drop whatever else they may be doing, and if they fail, then the blood of whomever the Lock Whisperer kills next will be on their hands. But I thought you said... Yes, I know what I said, but they hardly do, and it isn't worth the time it would take to explain it to them. Heavenly days, man, do you want this beastly dealt with tonight or not? You know, there was a time when I was the one giving the orders around here. What with me being mayor and all. Then as the mayor, do what you are told or more innocents will die. There, you see how well that works? Now, off you pop. I don't get it, Prof. I saw those diagrams. A box of wood lacquered with tar, eight feet by ten feet, and four metal poles. Yes, 
Very astute of you to notice all that, Dorothy. We shall also need the local wine press. I believe I saw some ladies marching about in it, squashing the grapes between their toes, as the Italians do. I will explain all to you shortly. But first, be a lamb and run to them. Tell them that they must empty their wine press before seven o'clock. We shall need at least two hours to put everything together, I think. That seems to be the last of it, Professor. Yes, my dear. And it would seem not a moment too soon. Yes. It's nearly... Sundown. Indeed. Good work, gentlemen. Very good work. Thank you all very much. Now you must return home. Do as the Lock Whisperer has told you. Make sure that you and your children are indoors by ten o'clock. And do not come out again until the steeple bells ring or the sun rises. I bid you all a very good night. Well, Professor, I hope this plan of yours works. If it doesn't, at the very least, you've absolutely ruined a perfectly good wine press and more than 200 gallons of brine. The cost may be far more serious than that, Mr. Mayor. This may be our one shot. If this goes afoul, he will be on to us. And while he may leave your town alone afterwards, whom might he attack next? And will they have a lock whisperer to warn them? That reminds me, Prof. What do you plan to do about the Lock Whisperer? Do, Dorothy? I don't see how there is very much to do. Unless I am very much mistaken, once all this is sorted out, the Lock Whisperer and his ilk will simply go back to whatever it was they were doing before the coming of this menace. They seem rather benign. And if they've caused any real harm in the past, I think they've more than made up for it with this little incident. Keeping the children safe as best they knew how. Best not to disturb what doesn't disturb you, eh? A warning to the curious. And there is the hour. Doom is upon us. Couldn't you say fate all the time? Doom sounds so final. Places, everyone. Remember, do not move until I give the signal. Close your shutters. I don't see why I have to be the bait. Because you are the quickest and the strongest, Amazon Dorothea. I'm never going to hear the end of that, am I? I wouldn't count on it any time soon. Oh, Professor. It would seem they brought out the regiment. There, do you see them? I thought I saw it in the moonlight, the little figures. Yes, Dorothy. I see them. There must be ten, no, twenty of them. It's almost... It's almost as if they were mirroring the world around them. Every once in a while, I catch the slightest glimpse. Oh, goodness gracious me. Hello there. No, 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 no. We aren't bad. We're trying to help. We want to help you protect these good people. That's right, the creature. He's killed many people. We're trying to stop him. We are going to try to avoid that.
dash it all, he's gone. What? What did it look like? I couldn't bear to look. I don't know. A shadow? Shade? Rumpelstiltskin? At any rate, they would seem to have moved on. And that, Dorothy, would be your cue. Right. Sure. Thanks for that. I'm just uh, walking through the streets after ten o'clock. No, it shouldn't be. Just a harmless little girl. Completely not trying to lure you into a trap or anything like that. Oh, what shall I ever do, being so alone and helpless as I am? Right. I'm just going to meander down a few dark alleyways. Being alone and helpless. Utterly. Helpless. You know what? Suddenly, I don't like this dark alleyway. I'm going to just turn around and run! Professor, I think we have company. Right, Dorothy. You know where to go. rain, Professor. Except for the fact I smell like pickles. Ugh. Oh, a small price to pay. Alright, everyone. Come out. Come on out. We're done. We've captured the beastie. Oh, if that isn't the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. Ugly? Ugly? I think it's actually quite beautiful. Nature's perfect design. Afraid I have to agree with the mayor on this one. Looks like something that escaped out of Lovecraft. Where is Lovecraft? Some people have no appreciation for nature. Gather round, everyone. I have something to show you. You will observe an iron construction I have placed on the outside of this cage. Well, all you have to do now is connect these two leads and... Behold, electric lights. How did you manage that? A creation of my own invention. It is what others have called a light bulb. However, it will burn for at least two years without replacement. Many times better than Mr. Thomas Edison's. Who is Thomas Edison? Oh, um, yes. Uh, never mind. Never mind, it doesn't matter right now. 
What does matter is that from now on, the nights in this town need never be dark again. You will be able to... What happened? What happened? Oh, Professor, look. The creature. It's dead. Down to a crisp. Oh, the smell of it. Dead? Dead? That's not possible. The pickle brine should have been supplying it a virtual feast, as well as conducting the electricity. He should have been happy as a pig in mud. This this doesn't make a bit of sense. <laughs> dead, dead, <laughs> dead children. Cash, you do you know what you've done? Oh. Oh well. Perhaps, perhaps they knew something I did not. What happened? It would seem I misunderstood the little fellow. I thought he was glad we weren't going to try and kill the creature because they value all life as I do. It seems they wanted to kill it for themselves. We judge others' motives by our own, I suppose. But what killed it, Professor? Well, it's hard to say in the dark... But it would seem that the Lock Whisperer pulled out one of my old tricks. You mean... Yes. He reversed the polarity. And directed the current back into the brain. The creature could withstand and put out a positively charged stream of energy. But when the energy flow became negatively charged, it... Well, it cooked itself in its own juices and pickle brain. Perhaps it's all for the best. I hate the caging of living things, but it couldn't be allowed to go on killing. And I thought, why not use it while we had it? Then in a few years, I could go and find out where it came from and perhaps take it back. If we... if we ever... Oh, oh well. What's done is done. Go home, everyone. Nothing more to see here. It's over. Professor, you're off already, I see. Yes, it's time Dorothy and I were moving on. But I see that we are not the only ones. You're loading up your own wagon, Mr. Mayor. Might I inquire as to where you are headed? It's mayor no more, actually. I was only holding the office for the townsfolk look for another. Herbert James again. I'm going to Suffolk. Great Livermere, to be precise. I've already sent my wife and two eldest boys along to set up the household. And this is the last of it. I'll be taking up residence in the rectory of St. Peter's Church. Ah, you are an Anglican reverend then. I should have known. Your library should have told me in an instant. Montague! Montague! Come out here and say goodbye to the professor. Monty James, eh? Ah, and who is this who is coming? Goodbye, professor. Thank you for coming and saving everyone. You're welcome, Monty, and be sure to read up on your history, and mind your father. It will serve you well. You don't mean to say that. Dorothy, 
Hush. Go back inside, Monty. I'll come for you when we're ready. Professor. <clears throat> what about the Lock Whisperer? I mean, we took care of the creature that was actually killing people, but what if it, if, if they, turned on us? Oh, I don't imagine we'll have much trouble with them. They seem rather benign, and even helpful if Mrs. McTavish's reports can be believed. And while I may disagree with how they handled things last night, I believe they have protected and will protect your town. As long as no one disturbs them, they'll fade back into the mists of legend. Well, goodbye, Mr. James. I wish you good fortune. Goodbye, Professor Marble. Same to you and your companion. And if you're ever in Great Livermere, stop by for tea. Two o'clock sharp. <laughs> that was quite an adventure, Professor. I can't wait to see what's next. Don't be so impatient for another adventure so soon, Dorothy. Wasn't it you who a few days ago hoped that fate would call upon another to aid their fellow men? Well, you know how it is, Prof. The two of us travelling through the land, aiding those in need and putting wrongs right. What would the country do without us? What indeed, Dorothy? (laughs) (laughs) What indeed? The Lost Whisperer's voice is never heard again in that little town, so far as anyone knows. Disappeared into the woods and back to where they came from. But as with all creatures of the night, merely because you don't see them in the daylight doesn't mean they are really gone. And just as they must retreat to their holes, so you must return to yours. If you go out of the street, I believe in just a few moments your mother will arrive. She's been out looking for you all night. Natural, you wouldn't want her to worry about you unnecessarily. Who were Professor Marvel and Dorothy? Well, that's a question for another time. But I can tell you he has been a thorn in our side for quite some time now. But don't worry. Sooner or later, all chickens come home to roost. But if you come again, perhaps I will tell you more about him. We'll always be waiting for you here at the... It would seem she's here a bit early. Off with you now. You have been listening to The Factory. The Lock Whisperer is an original story written, produced, edited, and directed for Club 40 Audio by Wesley Critchfield. 
heard in the cast. The part of Dorothy was played by Kendra Akers. The part of the mayor was played by Jack Ward. The parts of Henry and the constable was played by Josh Momini. The part of Monty was played by Judith Critchfield. The part of McTavish was played by Cletus McConville. The part of Mary was played by Emily McIntosh. With Wesley Critchfield as Professor Marvel and Sean Dugan as the toy maker, all other parts were played by the cast. All music used during this program is rights free and does not require accreditation. Don't forget to subscribe and ring our bell to keep up with every time we post a new episode. Give us a like on Facebook to keep up with everything Club 40 Audio has to offer. Please remember to give us a like on Facebook, check out our Tumblr feeds, and listen to us on SoundCloud. Please consider supporting Club 40 Audio by buying our episodes at club40audio.bandcamp.com. That's club number 40 audio.bandcamp.com. And please consider becoming a patron on Patreon. The Factory is a production of Club 40 Audio. All rights reserved. And that's this week's show. Please take a moment on Audio Review Sundays and drop in a review for the Sonic Society in iTunes. It really does make a difference. For someone who hasn't heard the very best of modern audio drama, all of those reviews really help us spread that word. And while you're spreading the word, you can also email us at sonicsociety at gmail.com. Let us know how you're doing at Dad's Room. Yes, and until next week... And when I go four hours behind you, Jack, rather than four hours ahead, uh, happy writing, Jack, and and indeed everyone else. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Sonic Society. I'm David Alt. Good night. Good night. Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. The following message is for podcasters only. If you are a listener and not a podcaster, you are permitted to cover your ears and say la 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 for the next 30 seconds or so. Okay. Podcasters, if you create audio drama and or comedy, you are invited to join the brand new Mutual Audio Network. Not only will your productions be showcased in a brand new Netflix-ish type of distribution, but you'll also share in resources from music to sound effects to voices to people saying la 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 la. For details, visit MutualAudioNetwork.com or inquire at MutualAudio at gmail.com. You can stop la la now. I can't hear you. Got my ears covered. la la.